Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. What does it look like to worship God from the inside out? Uh, in every emotion, in every circumstance. Um, so we've looked at uh, joy, we've looked at anxiety, um, and today we're looking at lament. And um, before we come to look at lament specifically this morning, um, I want us to consider just why are we looking at these themes together. So let's, let's go back to the, to the start, to, to the garden. Um, so man uh, was was bare, uh, literally physically uh, naked before God. Um, and then Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God. Um, and having done so, they, they hide and they cover up. Um, sin has entered the world and uh, they are relationally broken uh, with God to be banished from the garden. And ever since this point, uh, we have inherited been born into this relational brokenness, both with God uh, and others. And we, we share that same disposition to, to hide from God, to cover up. Sin has meant that our hearts that were uh, turned towards God were now turned away. So uh, this morning, if you're, if you're thinking, you know, sometimes I, I, I struggle to connect with God, to bring myself, uh, my emotions before him, well, then you're, you're in good company. But there is hope. We were made for relationship with God. And if we put our trust in Jesus, uh, then God has restored and is restoring our relationship with him. Even though we turned away God is still turned towards us. Um, yeah, it is only the redeeming work of the Holy Spirit in us that we can be restored to who we were made and created to be, made in the image of God, living for the glory of God, um, that we may again be a people who learn to live lives of inside-out worship to God. So, this morning, our topic we're looking at is lament. Um, and I, you, could, you could also call this uh, how to worship God in our suffering through tough times. The, the Bible uh, tells us that the way to relate to God, nay, nay worship God in suffering, is to lament. Um, about a third of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. There's the whole uh, book of Lamentations. Um, but perhaps lament isn't a word we, we hear or, or use very much uh, nowadays. But the, the Bible is clear. Lament is the way in which we worship God in suffering. So this morning we're going to look at uh, what is lament? Uh, how does lament help us worship God? How does Lament, uh, restore that, that closeness, that oneness with God that we were created for. Um, 
at home, we have uh, this poster that, that Hannah has made for Ivy. Um, and the purpose of this p- uh, poster is to teach Ivy about emotions. Um, so there are all these faces, you know, like happy, sad, frustrated, um, nervous. So we want to help her, kind of give her the language to gradually recognize these emotions in herself and, and in others too. Um, and as parents, we want to help her. Uh, we want her to come towards us, bring her emotions and her words um, to us that she's experiencing. Um, lament is the vehicle that God gives us to come to him in the midst of our emotions. Our pain, our disappointment, anguish, um, and no relationship with him in these, in these moments to worship him from the inside out. So uh, we're going to start by looking at one particular psalm of lament uh, this morning. So it's um, Psalm 13. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, why not open it up to Psalm 13 and we'll read together. So it says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Um, So the psalm starts, how long, Lord? So the the first thing we notice is that the the psalmist, uh, David, is, is talking to God. He's addressing God directly. And not only this, he continues, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? David is, is distraught and he's not saying, oh God, I'm, I'm so upset that kind of Saul has, has done this to me and put me in this kind of awful predicament. Um, no, his, his anger, his frustration is directed towards God. Will you forget me? Will you hide your face from me? His distress is aimed towards God, but in that he comes towards that same God. Um, I think when we talk about God being in control, we could say, God, you are in control. Or we could say, God, you are in control. Why is this happening? Almost the the same words, but in kind of a different um, tone. And there's a very real acknowledgement of the the tension between those two sentiments in this psalm. But the the start of lament, the start of worshipping God in our suffering is to come to God. 
uh, I mentioned previously how in the garden, uh, Adam and Eve hid from God. They covered up. Uh, David doesn't do this here. He comes directly to God and, and bears himself, his pain uh, before him. Um, I, I, I don't know what you're like when it comes to conflict. Um, one analogy is that we all tend to be uh, either like a rhino, we, we tackle it head on, um, or we're like a hedgehog. Um, we kind of curl up into a ball and avoid at all costs. Now, uh, marriage has, has taught me a lot about conflict, I would say. Uh, so but before getting married, I, I would say I, I didn't have much conflict uh, with, with other people. But um, mostly because I just wasn't emotionally close enough with another person to, to have that conflict with them. Uh, so... I have definitely been more of the, the hedgehog in that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so early days in, in marriage, uh, Hannah and I would be in the process of resolving conflicts or let's, let's call a spade a spade, you know, having an argument, having a row. Um, and I, I honestly, I didn't really know how to engage with Hannah at times in those moments. Hannah would put something across and, and not really get anything back. And um, now that, that was frustrating for, for Hannah. Um, and I, I've had to slowly learn uh, that I can, I can trust Hannah with my emotions, with my hurt, uh, and that the vulnerability um, of kind of explaining how I feel, saying sorry, all these things are vital in bringing us closer together. I had to to really learn to come towards Hannah in these moments. And actually, when we got married, I had made uh, covenantal promises of togetherness, of oneness with Hannah. So more than just a case of a good thing to do, but my responsibility and and duty to kind of come towards uh, my my wife um, in in the good times and, and the tough times. And... God has made covenantal promises with his people for his bride. He restored relationship with his people, with us, in suffering. So God comes to us. The start of worshipping God in suffering is to go to him. When we find ourselves at the end of ourselves, suffering, we we come to God. This is where lament starts. We are not spouting pain um, into the night, but we come to a person. We come to our Father God. Um, As we look a bit more at verses one and two, it really tells us of David's anguish at this moment. So it says, uh, verse 1, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? David is at the end of himself here. Um, When David says, how long, Lord, it's not like... um, a child in the, the back seat of a car saying, you know, oh, how long, how long now? Are we nearly there yet? Um, 
he's saying, I can't take this anymore. I am done. And he's, he's in real anguish. There's no, no sugar coating how he's feeling. He pours out his pain, uh, his, his heart before God. Um, and in how we see lament in the Bible, there's, there's no looking for a silver lining in the circumstance itself. There's certainly no kind of stiff upper lip. I, I don't need to um, experience or engage with these emotions because, well, you know, God, he's defeated sin and death and darkness. And so, so it's all good. And, and yes, he has done that. Um, but lament gives the, the context in which we can bring our genuine pain um, and hurt we feel in this world before our Father, the one who holds this world in his hands. And also, this is not a case of, uh, we, you know, we can bring our pain before God, like God is kind of impatiently waiting for like verses 1 to 2 to, to be done, to, to have this dealt with, moved on. Like, like God's saying, uh, you know, you can have a moan because, because I'm kind, I'm, I'm tolerant, but let's get back to kind of proper worship soon. It's not the case of verse 1 to 4. That's where we get the emotional pain out of the way. Then verse 5, that's where worship starts. Lament is worship. The, the compilation of the Psalms of Lament in, in Hebrew is called uh, Telahim which simply means praises. The, the whole psalm is a psalm of praise, a praise of wholehearted worship, worship in suffering. To, to worship is to bring our whole selves before God and to bow down before him, to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. In, in times of suffering, verses one to four, this is what it looks like to worship God not separate from verses 5 and 6. We'll come into that more soon. But definitely not ignoring or negating those emotions and circumstances that David expresses in verses 1 to 4. We can bring ourselves, our pain to God. He desperately wants us in our entirety to worship him. We are not merely tolerated but embraced. God is with us in our pain, in our lament. Um, so maybe quite a well-known verse, uh, Romans eight twenty-eight says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I think sometimes we can, we can use this verse to kind of almost stop us engaging with our emotions, how we feel. It's like uh, this awful thing has, has happened, but, but it's okay but because even though it was awful, God, God uses it for our good. So I, I should just be grateful, and that should be my only expression um, to God. Um, but that is not how the Bible tells us to engage with, with pain, with hurt, lament in a healthy way. Um, awful things do happen. That, that is obvious. We live in a broken world. We don't need to look for a silver lining in the circumstance itself. This, this verse gives us hope that even in the midst of painful circumstances, 
God is with us, mourns with us, and gives hope and purpose to, to every moment of our lives. We read uh, that Jesus consistently brought uh, his uh, kind of suffering before God. Um, Hebrews 5 verse 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death. Jesus practiced handing over his suffering to God. And to wholeheartedly worship God is vital that we learn to do this too. Um, the majority of Psalm 13 is, is David pouring out his genuine pain before God. And this is how we see lament um, throughout the Bible. <clears throat> if we read on a little further, verses, verses 3 and 4, we read, uh, Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. In this part of the psalm, we see that David makes a request. He asks God for help. Um, an Old Testament scholar, uh, Klaus Westermann, um, wrote, there is not a single psalm of lament that stops with lamentation. Lamentation has no meaning in and of itself. The lament appeals to the one who can remove suffering. In, in this psalm, Psalm 13, the request is, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes. Not to worry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> at this part of the psalm, okay, David's bringing his request, uh, we see real faith. In spite of David's pain, the anguish he's experiencing, even towards God, he asks God for an answer. So um, my, my football team that I support is called, called Yeovil Town. And they, they are a small team, and no money, and they're not very good. Um, I have learned over the years to have low expectations. <laughs> So they had their first game of the season last weekend. They lost 2-1. I was just chuffed that they scored. It's great. Um, so I have low expectations because I, I don't trust in their ability to win many football matches. Um, and do you know what? It protects me from disappointment. Um, I, I'm not disappointed because they consistently meet my very low <laughs> expectations. Um, and yeah, in this, I am protecting myself from pain and disappointment, and I'm kind of emotionally distancing myself from them. This is not what we see uh, with David in this psalm. He's, he's really vulnerable. He is not fatalistic, as if God is unwilling or unable to help. He brings his requests to God. And sometimes, you know, th this part is, is really hard. Um, it's, it's easier not to. It's easier to lower our expectations and protect ourselves. And his request itself uh, is 
really thought-provoking as well, actually. Um, he's not asking for practical intervention in his circumstances. Not, not that that is wrong in itself. Um, but his request is, look on me and answer, give light to my eyes. Again, this request is wrapped up in intimate relationship with God. Not a short-term view of trying to resolve the situation or even remove the suffering. His request is for hope, for light, to see things how God sees them. Um, We see lots of examples of God's people in in trouble in the Bible, and on different occasions they they respond in different ways. Um, Probably a, a famous Example would be uh, Israel uh, in, in, the, in the wilderness um, after being uh, saved from, from Egypt. Uh, they, were, they were complaining to God about the, the lack of bread and water. Um, and so one example of this is in Exodus 17, verse 2. I'll just uh, read this. Uh, so it says, So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Here, uh, Israel is assuming the the worst of God. Um, Their complaints are dishonoring to God as they, they malign his character. They were testing God. It's not that the, the complaints themselves are the issue. David makes uh, complaints in the psalm we're looking at today. But in their grumbling, they are turning their hearts away from God. And like what we were thinking about at the very beginning in the garden, they, they are turning away. Uh, there is no faith in his character. There is no wholeheartedness in their response here. Not inside-out worship of God, but, but outside-in consumption and looking for security in, in creation, not the creator. You know, God, God still provides them with the bread and water, doesn't he? Um, but in Psalm 13, David, he brings his pain and he turns towards God. He brings his requests to God. And that's where we see the difference. In the psalm, uh, David's request and his lament rest on God's unfailing love. And he gives glory to his character. Our um, psalm ends with verses 5 and 6. And this is the, the crunch part, really. So from verse 5, it says, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. We we pour out our our pain before God in in the context of his unfailing love for us, in the context that there is a salvation. Um, uh, Elizabeth Hall, a Christian professor of psychology, says that the purpose of lament is to, to reconstruct Meaning, when suffering leaves us disorient, disoriented, I always struggle with that word. <laughs> um, 
And that phrase, reconstruct meaning, it kind of, it sounds like a phrase that jumps straight out of popular culture, doesn't it? Like um, something has happened and I need to kind of reconstruct the, the meaning for myself, around myself. Uh, but this is, this is not what's being said here at all. Um, when we look at the structure of this psalm, we see a trajectory from darkness to light, from death to life. How it looks like uh, to worship God in our suffering is a picture of the gospel itself. To, to lament is, is a spiritual discipline. And as we practice lament, it, it shapes us. Lament embeds the gospel within us, helps us find meaning in our suffering. Not a contextualized, subjective meaning, but the meaning the shape, the trajectory of the gospel. Lament uh, in our suffering reorientates us towards Jesus. Lament takes us in our subjective experience and reorientates us towards objective truth. Not negating these experiences, but hammering home that there is an objective, eternal truth. Truth that there is a salvation. Lament leads us on that journey from darkness to light. So there is pain. There is darkness. It is real. But, or and, um, and there is unfailing love. There is salvation. David, in, in this psalm, kind of has a, a slightly more abstract uh, salvation to, to call upon, thinking of God's um, kind, of, kind of continual saving and leading of his people. We look, at, we look at Jesus. We see suffering. We see sin poured out upon the Son of God. We see our ultimate salvation in the risen Lord Jesus. So um, a, a few years ago, um, Tunde, our, our, our friend and a leader here at CCM Lady Barn, um, he passed away very unexpectedly. And it was, it was awful. It was really, um, really painful. And as a community, we felt and experienced that acutely. And I think if... Uh, as a community, we were able to write a, a psalm of lament for that time. We, we would have included the, uh, the despair and the sorrow that we see at the start of Psalm 13. But we shared a hope in a salvation beyond the immediate circumstances. Communally, we shared a trust in God, a trust in his unfailing love. Trust in an ultimate and final salvation for Tunde that would have the last word. Darkness to light, death to life. The trajectory of this psalm reflects the, the trajectory of the gospel. It is a journey that reflects the gospel itself. In the midst of suffering, lament draws us deeper into relationship with God. So my kind of encouragement to us this morning is to, to use this psalm as we pray, 
David was in total despair, he came to God, and we can do this too. But actually also, sometimes our, um, our disappointment, our hurt, can be around the kind of smaller things, maybe not the, the earth-shattering things, but you know, a, a tough day at work, um, an argument with someone, just feeling low. And maybe we, we're not in the, in the practice of bringing these things before God. Because um, we think they're, you know, not important enough or, or big enough to warrant uh, bringing before God and engaging with. But in everything, it is all about turning our hearts towards God. Um, it's sometimes the build-up of these smaller things that can slowly grow disappointment and a turning away from him, a kind of building up the, the barriers between us and God. We, we worship God by bringing our whole selves before him and giving him glory. To, to choose to lament, to worship God in, in our suffering is not a, a comfortable choice. Um, I mentioned slightly in jest earlier how I kind of emotionally draw back from my football team to spare me the disappointment. Um, but this is what I can also do at times in my marriage and in my walk with, with Jesus too. Um, and if we are not careful, we can end up further and further away relationally. Now, um, in preparing this, this sermon, I, I've, I've been really encouraged. been encouraged how God doesn't just tolerate but longs for closeness, that oneness with me, what we were made and created for. But I've also been really challenged too. Um, and I think for, for me personally, rather than maybe complaining or complaining to God, but, but not also kind of reminding myself of, of his, his love, his salvation, in, in times of suffering, there have been times where I just haven't come to God, full stop. That hasn't been my go-to. I haven't brought myself in my hurt and disappointment to him. That, that hedgehog part of me that looks for security uh, within, away from others, away from potential hurt, away from God. But you know, I was made for more than that. We were made for more than that. And I'm not content to, to live a life where I choose to let meaningful connection with God, worship, pass me by. And, and I have to choose this every day. And I wonder, um, what is your predisposition, your, your go-to in the tough times? How do you know that you can res- you respond. And I don't mean this to be an accusation, but, but an invitation and an exhortation. Um, this morning, each and every morning, we, we have a choice in our suffering, in all seasons of life, to turn to God, to bring our hurt and disappointment to him, to choose relationship, intimacy, with God. 
to live a life of wholehearted worship and to pursue that above all else.